Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There are a lot of definitions of acting, but none of them fully catch the elusive enchantment of a great performance. There's only one way to do that, and it's what these five actors have done. They've given the performance. Here are the nominees for Best Actor in a Leading Role. Nicolas Cage in Leaving Las Vegas. Richard Dreyfuss in Mr. Holland's Opus. Anthony Hopkins in Nixon. Sean Penn in Dead Man Walking. Massimo Troisi in The Postman. And the Oscar is awarded to Nicolas Cage. Oh boy. Three and a half million dollar budget, some 16 millimeter uh, film stock thrown in, and I'm holding one of these. I have got to thank the members of the Academy for this, for including me in this group of super talents, and, and for helping me blur the line between art and commerce with this award. I, uh, I uh, well, I, I know it's not hip to say it, but I just love acting, and I hope that, uh, I hope that there will be more encouragement for uh, alternative movies where we can experiment and fast forward into the future of acting. Let me thank the awesome, multi-talented Mike Figgis. My incredible, my incredible, amazing co-star, Elizabeth Shue. I am, I am going to share this award with both of you and uh, 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 the late John O'Brien, whose spirit moved me so much. Tony Dingman. Annie Stewart, the producers, Annie Stewart, Stewart, Regan, everyone at MGA, uh, MGM, UA, I'm sorry, and Lumiere. I'd like to thank Ed Lamato, my colleagues, Jerry Harrington, Jeff Levine, Richard Lovett, and uh, uh, everyone in my family, my gorgeous wife, Patricia. And I just finally want to say, hi, Weston, it's Daddy, I love you, thank you. Now, honestly, I could just leave the episode there. If that two-minute-plus clip does not tell you everything you need to know about what we're going to discuss today, then I don't know what else to tell you, okay? Spoiler alert, I've been telling you in the past, I'm telling you again now, Nicolas Cage is an award-winning actor. This is the film. This is the moment that we have been waiting for in episode 24 of Cage Rage, Nicolas Cage podcast. The award-winning... The Golden Globe Award for Best Actor, Nicolas Cage. The Academy Award-winning actor for Best Actor, Nicolas Cage. And it all happened here. Welcome to episode 24 of Cage Rage, a Nicolas Cage podcast. As you join me, Daryl Edge, a cage connoisseur, on the journey to true cage nirvana as we watch every film the acting great has ever made and have a little bit of fun doing it. 
along the way. How are you? How are you doing? I hope you're well. It's turned cold here. It's October. It truly is the spookiest season. Pumpkins are coming out. The rain's coming out. Ian's still got his bullshit stories. Next door neighbour's cat got into his house. He was telling me about that earlier. Do I care? Absolutely not. And then he's asking me to keep an eye on his house as he goes away again. Will I do it? No. Will I tell him I did it? Yes. Because you got to play both sides in this life. you got to play both sides. That's just the way that it is. But look, let's not waste our time with small talk. There's an award-winning film here. You see, an award-winning film of Cajun proportions. I don't want to talk about it. I want to discuss it. I've just finished watching it. Rented it from the old Amazon Prime. Very unflinching film. Very gripping film. Very dark in places, but powerful film. Incredible performances from Nicolas Cage as Ben Sanderson and Elizabeth Shue as Sarah. Nicolas Cage, you will know as Nicolas Cage. Elizabeth Shue, if you're not familiar with it, you should be familiar with her. Because quite frankly, she should have won awards alongside Nicolas Cage for this portrayal here. She was in the Karate Kid way back when. As the uh, a love interest as Ali Mills, you may recognise her from uh, Back to the Future, uh, parts two, parts one. I'm trying to think if she was in part one. Sorry, not part one. Part two and three. It's two of them. They went into the future in one of them as a uh, Jennifer Parker. Uh, more recently, if you've been watching The Boys on Amazon Prime, you will recognise her as Madeline Stilwell in the first season. Of the boys, uh, fantastic actor. Um, one of the, one of those actors I wish we saw more of. Um, Elizabeth Shue, she got you know a lot of film credits to her name, but deserves to be in a lot of bigger pictures. Fantastically talented actor, wonderfully paired alongside Nicolas Cage in this. The um, bleak relationship between them is intoxicating, to excuse a pun. It's a great bond between them. They just click so well. Great film. Really, really good film. So I thoroughly recommend it. Now to get into it a little bit more. This film is adopted from the novel of the same name by John O'Brien, who unfortunately passed away shortly after he sold the rights to this film. It follows alcoholic screenwriter Ben Sanderson, played by Cage, as he drinks himself into oblivion in Las Vegas after getting fired from his job and no longer feeling the need to live for anything. He then ends up meeting Sarah, played by Elizabeth Shue, who is a prostitute. They soon strike up a uh, a friendship, a relationship, where a very self-knowing and painful relationship. It's very destructive on both sides. Um, as she can't fault him, he can't fault her. They try to support each other, but Ben's need to kill himself through drinking threatens to ruin everything that they've built. So this was filmed in Super 16mm instead of 35mm. 16mm, common for art house films at the time. 35mm, most commonly used for mainstream, was released nationwide in 1996 after a limited screening, a limited release on October of 95. So about 25 years since it's come out. It was made on a budget, a tiny little budget of $4 million, 
eventually making box office takings of just under 50 million. It was a uh, huge victory for the studio's United Artists that released it and was also directed in the very, very capable hands of Mike Figgis, who also tackled the screenplay and had some little musical duties as well. As ever, uh, Cage Rage, official rager, owner of a golden hog himself, Roger Ebert, was very praising of the film, gave it very high marks. He said the characters are the drunk and the whore with the heart of gold. Cage and Shoe make these cliches into unforgettable people, even naming it his best film of 1995, and included it in his best of the decade list, putting it at number eight. Very high praise indeed, and it met a much more critical consensus as well. One review reading, Oscar-awarded Nicolas Cage finds humanity in his character as it bleeds away in this no-frills, exhilaratingly dark portrait of destruction, with Leonard Claddy from Variety also adding, saying that Leaving Las Vegas was certainly among a scant handful of films that have taken an unflinching view of dependency. You know, a lot of heavy scenes on this, it doesn't shy away from the brutality of drinking and the sort of dangers of the nightlife and sex work. It would also win a number of other awards. At the Independent Spirit Awards, Mike Figgis would take Best Director, Elizabeth Shue would take Best Female Lead, and Declan Quinn would bag a nice little award for the Best Cinematography, where the film would also take Best Film as well. So good on you, the Independent Spirit Awards, for noting what a powerful and a wonderful film this is. So with that said, let's get into the nitty, and indeed, the gritty of leaving Las Vegas 1995. So we meet Nicolas Cage, Ben Sanderson. From early doors, we know that he's a drunk, he's down on his luck, he's a uh, in very much a very dangerous downward spiral. He's got alcohol dependency like you've never seen. He puts away more bottles in one sitting than I could ever dream of icing up crack cracks for. My kidneys just throbbed with pain just watching him down these bottles. Now, early on, we get a sense of the kind of desperation and I don't want to say loser because he's had a he's had a he's had a tough he's had a tough time. We learn that he's lost his family at some point in the past. He makes mention to a prostitute that he gets with that he can't remember if he his drinking was because his wife left him or if his wife left him because he's been drinking. That's kind of the measure of the man. A lot of parts have added up to now. He goes on to lose his job as well, and it leads him into this downward spiral. He ends up taking a big redundancy pay and then heading out to Las Vegas. His plan is to quite literally drink himself to death, which he reckons is going to take about four weeks, four weeks or so. And he's given himself a budget of 250 to $300 a day, which by my brief maths was about $8,400, dollars $8,500. Just for booze alone, which is, hey, if you're going to do it, if you're going to go out, then uh, that's probably the way to do it. He spends some of his drunk time trying to chat up women. It's it's one of those things you probably shouldn't find it funny. I think it is a bit more at the start because we don't realise just how deep 
into his pit of funk that he really is. There's a clip here of him trying his best with her, with a woman at the bar. You turn me on, you turn me on, you're not too tall, you're not too short, you're not too round, you're like a cat, the cat in the hat. Look at you, look at those arms. I mean, I often find that the best compliment to pay anyone is to tell them that you are so sexy, you remind me of a fictional, rhyming cat who um, just knobs about. You're a knobbly cat, is what you are. And it has people purring every single time. But despite the uh, slight charms of you turn me on, (laughs) he uh, gets a little more desperate. And hey, look, we've all been there. You're so cute. And I'm really good in bed too, believe me. You smell great. You look great. Your hair's great. No? Okay. Sometimes you swing for the fences, but ultimately, no means no. And Cage always recognises that because he's nothing, if not consensual. It might take him a minute, but he knows how to read the room. So he's downing bottles left, right and centre. He meets a prostitute and he takes her to a alley of some description. And the prostitute literally sucks the ring off of him. And that is not a euphemism. He tries to uh, cash in a check the next day. He's got terrible booze shakes. Can't do it. Psychs himself out of it. So he leaves. And he goes back to that same bar. But the bartender's like, you should be drinking a coffee. But then ends up giving him a free gin and tonic. Because that is the power of Cage. He ends up recording himself... Uh, like watching the bank clerk that he went to earlier just going on this little monologue saying that he wishes she was uh, covered in bourbon which is <laughs> kind of weird but it's a thing that happened um, and goes into quite quite a lot of detail here about what he would do to her should she be covered in said drink but it would give him purpose to make her clean um, a little bit uncomfortable he's all pale He's all sweaty. You can see the light through his thin hair. He's not looking his best, you know, I'm going to be honest. He had the powerhouse of those arms in Kiss of Death last week. This week, a big old 180, a big old 540 spin into something very, very grim. So eventually his company let him go. He's called into the office by the boss. He can't even hold the phone the right way around. He's got the upside down. He gets his severance pay. And then asked what he's going to do by the boss. Asked what he's going to do by the boss. He wipes tears away. Explains he's moving to Las Vegas. And I'm thinking, he isn't even in Las Vegas yet. How is he going to leave it? Ha 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 ha. It's just a, just a little cage humour there. But then we get the opening credits. As he's making his way, drinking his way to Las Vegas. But more importantly than that, you know, we've had a lot of information to take in in these first 10 minutes. One of those parts was here, which I think is going to come down to the earliest random cage scream of the week. But this time, it's award winning. Maybe I shouldn't breathe so much, Terry. (laughs) I don't know if I've ever heard a laugh like that that sounded so much like a firework before, but hey. I'm not complaining. 
he won an award. Did you win an award for your acting? No, you didn't. So you get to say nothing. Now, as the opening credits go by, we meet Sarah, who is a prostitute working for a Latvian criminal. I assume he's a criminal. He might be a pimp. Um, He's called Yuri. And she is engaging in proper business orgies um, for his benefits with their clientele. Now, at some point in the past, and we get these little glimpses of um, her talking about her life and these little bits of information about her past and what has led her to this life. And the complementing character arcs of Sarah and Ben, we learn that they're both very much broken people. They're both desperate for an escape from their lives in whatever form that may be. So in a very sad way, they are sort of star-crossed lovers destined to come onto this collision course together. We learn that Sarah tried to leave Yuri at some point in the past in Los Angeles and escaped to Las Vegas, but he caught up to her. Yuri raw dogs her and makes her say that she's lonely in a very big Latvian power play, which, to be fair, it's just the type of caper that the Latvians are known for. Meanwhile, Ben is burning everything he owns, where he's putting everything in trash bags, leaving it outside his house, setting out for Las Vegas, drinking all the way. There's like a little scene of him getting some a fill-up of gas at a gas station. He's next to some, I assume, fellow Latvians. They are speaking in a different language. We get subtitles. One of them mentions Yuri. Um... And it seems like they, this is something that's going to come back and there's going to be some kind of sub-story with Yuri and whatever his little criminal empire is. But these characters, as far as I can see, they don't actually turn up again. So it's just... I don't know if it was just a thing just to make light that Yuri's a big deal. You kind of painted the picture to me at this point that we were going to get more of a uh, confrontation between Ben and Yuri, but that never really came to a head. They do get one little scene together a little later on, but it's... I don't know, it didn't. It wasn't as much as, as a big of a deal as I was expecting it was going to be. However, Ben does make it to Vegas. He nearly runs Sarah over, which is no doubt a metaphor for his hog. Now, as I mentioned, we get these flashes of Sarah talking about her work. Uh, it's never outright mentioned, but the implication is that she's in a therapy session and as the film progresses we get her more in-depth thoughts on um what her life her backstory her relationship with ben here she's mentioning how she's very good at her work also details one very uncomfortable experience with a client back in las vegas ben sees sarah he asks her to come back to his room aptly named the hole you're in motel for $500 dollar dollar bills, y'all. He also screams great ass at her. So, um, you know, just so he's laying out the paperwork early doors, you know. So for $500, you get an hour of Cage's time, an hour for Cage Senpai to acknowledge your existence. And if I've ever got $500 lying around, I think it's going to be the best $500 that I'll ever spend. Now, Sarah says for 500 Ben can pretty much do whatever he wants, except come in her hair, which is, I think, a very fair request. She also gives him the power of suck that I'd like to impart on Cage myself one day, and I will never stop being jealous of the one-on-one time that she has gotten there with the greatest hog, the greatest actor of our generation. What an honour. What a privilege, you know. However, 
Cage does cut it short and says, look, Sarah, you can have as much money as you want. I just want to talk to you. I just want you to listen. I just want you to stay. And you really get the idea here of how alone he is, how sad he is, how desperate he is for just any form of contact. You really see that in his eyes. And bravo, Cage, for such a um, unanimously wonderful performance here. Now, even though Sarah doesn't really believe him and finds it to be a bit of a joke, Ben explains that, hey, the whole reason he's here is to drink himself to death. He's loading up on the crack cracks, on the rums, on the vodkas. Always vodkas, isn't it, in these films? Always vodkas. He's little dingy motel room littered with bottles as far as the eye can see. My liver is trying to jump out of my body just thinking about all of this. All this madness that's awaiting him there. The never-ending hangover. No, thank you. So they wake up after spending the night together. Uh, No hogging. No hogging. I need to put that out there, make that clear. Sarah sees the time, races back to Yuri to give her the night's takings, but he does not. He does not look happy. He's going to have her pants down. And Yuri screams at her. He's slapping her about. But then she's sort of ready for this. He's definitely abused her before. We see in a little black and white flashback that he's cut the back of her leg before when um, they've had an argument like this. So it's a very complex up and down relationship between them, to say the least. We then get Yuri going to a pawn shop to sell some jewellery the next day. And this is where he bumps into Ben, because Ben is selling his watch. Yuri gets sort of undercut of this pawnbrokers for his jewellery and his gold. Uh, ben sells, I think it was a 93 Daytona. He gets $500 for it. I'm not a watch collector. I'm not a watch guy. I have a Casio watch with a calculator on it that I love dearly and will never sell. So I don't know how much a 93 day turn it is supposed to be worth, but he gets 500 for it. Um, so his watch was literally worth an hour of his own time. Next, Sarah explains to the therapist off screen that even after this one night they've had in that dingy motel, she started to have feelings for Ben and that she's been going out whilst on her job, actively looking for him. It's now it turns out that Ben had been looking for her too, and he does find her. Eventually, they have some dinner together. She does decline in the first instance because she's probably thinking, you know, well, that's more than enough hog for one sitting if you catch my drift. But they get some grub. Ben gets a big old bowl of sgetti. And shout out to the sound mixers here for really emphasizing the wet, sloppy sound of spaghetti there. It will haunt me to my dying day. KG also lights up a match with his thumb. Um, you know, sort of like those hotel motel matches in the little packs that you get. He sort of very casually takes one out, just flicks it up with his thumb and sort of lights it at the same time he pops the match out. Really impressive stuff. Very impressive stuff. I mean, what a party trick. So cool. And I am, even just talking about it, rock hard just talking about it. He does something in every film that just makes you think again about how much you, uh, you need to talk in your life, you know? And uh, this... This was that moment there. Now, Sarah actually invites Ben back to her place. Now, it's not, she said, it's like, it's not a sexual thing. I'm not intending to sleep with you, but I don't like the idea of you being so drunk out of your mind and going back to that really dingy, dank motel of yours. And she likes him. She cares about him. 
hey, look, with Cage, a raw dog is <laughs> never off the table. If Cage was in my home and told me I looked beautiful after getting out of the shower, that towel would then be on the floor. I'm just saying. So the following morning, Sarah asks Ben to move in. He initially objects, but he does soon after take her up on it. He thinks, look, you've got a positive effect on me, but you need to know it's it's not going to last. And I'm an alcoholic. I'm deep into this. You can't change me. You can't stop me from drinking. This is who I am. This is the way it's going to be. But Sarah, who's equally lonely in her own way, she looks past it and says, look, it's fine. That's just the way this dynamic's going to work. Ben does later admit he's in love with Sarah. He sheds a tear while saying this. But he's like, look, I'm not going to force myself into your life. I'm a drunk. You're a hucker. He is a drunk and she is a hucker. Can I make it any more obvious? So basically no judgments from him. And that's the thing about Cage. He's at one with the universe. And he accepts everyone as they are. The cult of Cage, and it is a cult, is full of love. Full of hogs. And Sarah, she's totally on board with it. She buys him a shirt, a new hip flask, and they go to the casino. Now, before they go to casino, Cage says, you know, Sarah, I need you to take most of my money so it doesn't get out of hand. And he has a quote here, which is basically, and I'll play it now, basically the same as when I buy another Domino's pizza that I can't afford. Giving you money makes me want to come. I said what I said. I put the order through. I said it to the delivery person when they left the pizza on the doorstep. And I'll say it again. No judgments here. No judgments. But they do mostly have a lovely night out at the hotel. They're playing some blackjack. Then Ben is propositioning a waitress, perhaps another Bloody Mary. He gets denied this. And as you'll hear in this next clip, he definitely handles it well. No! No! Fuck you! Fuck! Something about the music in that clip as well that just really... It would have been very easy to see him flipping that table and go, you fuck, you fuck. But something about the music just... And the high angle, you're just... You're looking down on the characters. We can't help but be put in this judging position. It's so easy in that scene just to look down at them and as the camera and direction intends and just think, Jesus Christ, what has happened? Jesus but Sarah gets him out, she takes him home. Ben sees the scar on her leg left there after Yuri cut her, and then she has to go to work. Um, now after this, though, it's a little thing just to call back to. We don't really see Yuri again after this. There was a brief scene earlier where Sarah visits him in a hotel room, but he just seems to be losing his mind. He grabs her at and says, look, listen against this wall. They're both listening against the wall. He's like, look, the neighbours, the next door neighbours of this room, they're, they're listening to me and they're judging me. And then she sort of leaves him with his head in his hands. And that's the sort of Yuri arc. It's mentioned that he is paranoid. Um, the way a few things built up and the, the guys mentioning him earlier, it seemed like there was going to be more of a confrontation between him and Ben. But um, it's not really the way it goes. He's kind of dropped off. He's more critical like I say to uh, Sarah's story, he has that bit with Ben in the pawn shop 
I think just to highlight that they're both going down in a downward spiral, but in two different but similar ways. And then we don't see him again. We don't really know what's happened to him. We don't know what's become of him. And the film just sort of moves on like that. But as I said, Yuri is gone. He's out. The next morning, Ben goes to a bar. There is a uh, a young woman that's flirting with him in front of her boyfriend. Now, Ben does kind of flirt back in jest. Um, I think for shits and gigs more than anything else. But the sort of biker boyfriend takes exception to it. And he headbutts him for his troubles. So he gets kicked out of the bar. He's returns to Sarah, blood-stained face. He tells her what happened. She gives him a kiss. And this, you know, this is the vampire's kiss that uh, that we really wanted. Now, a bit later on, they end up going to a motel out in the desert. Cage is drinking. He's deep down in the bottles. Uh, there's one bit where he just walks into the pool and he's just sat on the floor in the deep end under the water just drinking a Budweiser proving he's genetically superior to any and all other human beings. They are on their deck chair, one of his lounges rather, a little later, and Sarah whaps the tit out. She pours brandy all over herself, straddle the top cage, and like his early recording, he can finally fulfil his purpose by sucking her dry. But before they have a chance to go and consummate this relationship in a motel room, he trips... Uh, it looks like the Dudley boys have just set up a table because Ben has smashed through a glass one. And we get this little... I don't even know what this is, but... this If I ever go for a glass table, this is what I'm saying. prickly pear. A big hulk prickly pear, but a prickly pear nonetheless. So we get into the last half an hour of the film now. Um, now he goes back to the hotel room. Sarah starts cleaning up all the glass, but a motel employee says, oh, it's fine. You know, we get screw-ups come through this motel all the time. And very bitchy, she asks them to leave in the morning, which makes both her motel employee number one and alcohol the two biggest villains of this film. They have a meal back at Sarah's apartment later on. Sarah's now unable to ignore this problem anymore. She was trying to put it off. She's like, you've got your thing. I've got my thing. Neither of us are perfect. But now we're at a point, we're at a breaking point now where this has to stop. You need help. And she asks him to see a doctor, finally. Ben refuses. He eats an ice cube with a chopstick before he heads back to the casino. There's a neon sign I just want to point out that says, See the wizard's secret. What is that secret? The wizard is actually a haddock. In a drunken stupor, Ben brings a woman from the casino back to the apartment. Now, before they have a chance to raw dog, Sarah walks in on them and kicks Ben out before breaking down in tears. Now, that harlot that took advantage of Ben, you see, when you roll for snake eyes, but you packed a snake all along, it kind of draws attention. Uh, now, next, Sarah's just back out on the streets, going about her business. She's approached by three young guys who 
pay for her to sleep with their friends. They're filming the whole thing. These fucking, not even jocks, but these college douchebags. Now, she eventually goes to leave because it's all a bit too hectic, a bit too rowdy. But the incel virgin, who they are paying to have his virginity taken, he knocks her out and the incels rape her. Um, Then, after that, Sarah's cuck landlords additionally kick her out of the apartment. There's a lot to take in in those few minutes. It's a very uncomfortable watch. Now with that sort of quite literally battered and bruised, Sarah goes searching for Ben across his usual Vegas hotspots, uh, back at the um, Holyrood Motel, the casino. Can't find him. In that same casino, she's thrown out of it by a goon with a mullet, which in 1995 is unforgivable. Spits in his face. You get what you deserve. Eventually, Ben does call her up, and she finds him in a pitch-black motel room. He's not in a good way. He's literally on his deathbed. He says he doesn't want help at this point. He just wants to see her. So she wrestles a drink away from him. Um, gives him sort of in their last moments together a quick candy before popping him inside. She's the only thing that still has his hog doing pop shovets. And then at the very end in Sarah's final therapy session, she explains that she truly loved Ben. She accepted him for who he was. She said it wasn't the booze, it was raw dogging that killed the cage. The noblest way to bite the big one. And then the credits roll, and that brings us to the end of leaving Las Vegas. Um, again, it's a career-high performances. Um, it's a great film, great film. Golden Cage for me, no doubt. It's the plot. There isn't. It's not. The, there isn't so much of a plot there. It's the two lead performances that drive it forward. It's the chemistry between Cage and Shu that are first and foremost uh, so terrific. Elizabeth Shue is, you know, can't sing her praises enough. But Cage, his performance, um, jittery and uncompromising. You can see the booze lines radiating off him. It's um, again. I don't want to understate. It's such a powerful performance it is a really uncompromising look on sort of intoxication and alcohol abuse at some point i was kind of expecting it you know the, the power of love will will save them both and then cage will pull pour a bottle into a sink and they'll ride off into the sunset together but um it's a, a sort of unfiltered unblinking portrayal it's it's a it's a, a just a great flick overall I think certainly by this point in Cage's career, he's had some standout performances for different reasons, not necessarily great reasons, but this is the one, quite rightfully so, that he won the award for. And um, it was a, a pleasure, no matter how small, that we got to be a part of it as well. Um, I see, check out this film. Fantastic film. 91% still on Rotten Tomatoes, an audience score of 85. I think that tells you everything you need to know about it. If you want to chat the film a little more with me, then by all means, reach out on the following social medias. Get in touch with your boy at cage underscore podcast on Twitter at cage rage pod on Instagram. If you've enjoyed the show and want to kick something to it to support it in any way you feel like uh, coffee.com forward slash Daryl Edge, K-O-F-I dot com forward slash D-A-R-R-Y-L. 
E-D-G-E. You don't have to. You don't have to. But it's always appreciated to see uh, support for your boy. The podcast is on Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and Podchaser. So feel free to hit it up in any of those and follow it. Share it around if you liked it. Appreciate it again. Uh, something else to mention as well that um, I didn't address at the top. But I had the pleasure to talk to Billy on his show Conversation X Nilo um, where we chatted all things cage, celebrity fame, we talked a bit about mental health a bit about wrestling, a bit about politics it was um, a really really fun conversation, really enjoyed doing it, hope you can sort of check that out as well um, link will be on my Twitter page somewhere, but check it out, a lot of fun, uh, but yeah that brings us to the end of episode 24 again really enjoyed this one this as i mentioned last week is beginning super hot street for cage we've got leaving las vegas here we've got the rock to come we've got con air to come we've got face off the next three weeks cast iron bangers that are going to take us through october as we settle in to these colder months so by all means come aboard the train to true cage nirvana there's always room for more. Hope to see you there. Hope to see you in the next one. But until then, keep on, keep on caging. Bye. It's the 53rd annual Golden Globe Awards. The nominees for best performance by an actor in a motion picture drama are Nicolas Cage, Leaving Las Vegas. Richard Dreyfus. Mr. Holland's Opus, Anthony Hopkins, Nixon, Ian McKellen, Richard III, Sean Penn, Dead Man Walking, and the winner is Nicholas Cage, Leaving Las Vegas. Uh, thank you. Thank you. To be included in this most, most distinguished group of actors who have moved me so deeply over the years is for me a storybook dream come true, and I would like to thank the members of the Hollywood Foreign Press for that and for encouraging me to stay true to myself with this award. And I'd like to thank everyone in my family and take this opportunity to thank some of the people who made this brave movie, our director, Mr. Mike Figgis, for his artistry, his tremendous courage. The beautiful and, and incredibly talented Elizabeth Shue. Everyone at MGM UA, uh, th their faith and their hard work. Uh, the producers, Paige Simpson, Stuart Regan, Leela Causes. Uh, 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 oh, please, please. I know, I don't want to leave anybody out. I don't want to... Uh, uh, Stuart, uh, yeah. Annie Stewart, yes! And... And I finally would like to offer a very, very special thanks to the late John O'Brien, on whose magnificent book this movie was based, and to the entire O'Brien family, whose support meant so much to all of us. I really wish that John could be here tonight to see this. I thank you so much. Ha <laughs> ha!